Heavenly Father, we come this morning to remember your ancient word. It is of old, and Lord, we know there that we can find comfort for our souls. We know that countless people through the ages have looked at your scriptures and found peace. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning as we look at your word together, that we would find peace for our souls as well. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, this morning for our special Christmas uh, celebration, as we have a church lunch afterwards, I thought I'd preach on Luke chapter 2 and on this character that we see uh, in the temple when Jesus is brought there as a baby. And this is the man Simeon. Simeon is said to be someone who is waiting at the Uh, in Jerusalem at the temple there for the consolation of Israel. We see that in verse 25. When Simeon is introduced to us, we see that he was a righteous and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. What does consolation mean? Well, it means comfort. He is waiting for Israel to be comforted. Now, you may be saying, oh, surely this is Christmas time. Israel doesn't need much comforting. Well, this is the first Christmas And let me tell you that the first Christmas wasn't about tinsel, it wasn't about giving Christmas cards, it wasn't about charitable giving to others, and it wasn't about fat red men, uh, men in red suits, fat men in red suits with long beards. No, Israel was in bad shape. Uh, The Israelites had been conquered by the Romans, and so they had this oppressive Roman force in their nation, and we see an example in about 30 years' time as to how the Romans often treated the citizens of Israel by crucifying their rebels. The most horrible, excruciating torture that's pretty much imaginable to man is used by these Romans on Jews. And it wasn't like it was the first time that it was used on Jesus. So the, the Jews would have been understanding this. They would have seen the oppression that the Romans were giving to them. And plus, the Jews themselves were not uh, the nicest of peoples. The leaders, we see the religious leaders, uh, they are Pharisees who are quite legalistic. They're oppressive of the people. They're making great burdens for them to carry. We see the corruption that's in other uh, leaders of the community. We see the Sadducees. As you look in the New Testament, you see that they're just in it for their political ends. And so the common Jew would recognize this corruption that's going on. And, of course, they've got a king, King Herod, who's a bloodthirsty tyrant who even kills his own sons. This is the state which Israel was in. And so it's not surprising that we see Simeon here is waiting for the consolation of Israel. But then we also understand the spiritual darkness that is known in Israel as well. There's the sin problem that keeps on recurring. They have to keep making sacrifices again and again. They know of the evil one. They know of Satan. They know of demon possession, which is happening quite commonly around the time of Jesus as well. They know the oppression of the evil forces. And they also know about the wrath of God and the destruction that he brings upon mankind. So Simeon's here and he's got the the world and the oppression that that brings with bad leaders, whether it be Roman, whether it be Jewish leaders, and then, of course, he knows the spiritual pain that Israel is in. They are not a pretty people. They continue to do evil. They continue to rebel against God. And so Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And where does he expect this consolation to come from? Well, we see that he is expecting the Messiah to be born. We see in verse 26, it says in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
The word Christ there can also, uh, is just the Greek equivalent of the Old Testament uh, Hebrew word Messiah. He's waiting for this Messiah to be born. Who's the Messiah? Well, it's the one that was prophesied way back in the Garden of Eden when Eve and Adam sinned against God. And Eve was told that one would come who would crush the head of the serpent. The Messiah was promised way back thousands of years earlier to Eve. And then over the centuries, again and again, there were hints of this Messiah to come and more was revealed about him, that there was this one that God would anoint to save his people from all their problems, whether it be political problems and spiritual problems. He would save them, this Messiah that was to come. But at this time, Simeon has, is living in a time where it's been about 400 years since any hint was given of this Messiah. Malachi hinted in his last chapter, the prophecy that he gave, that there'd be one who would come, who would prepare the way for the Lord, the Messiah would come. But it's been about 400 years since that prophecy. So Simeon recognizes it's been a long time since any hints were given of this Messiah. But he's been promised by God that he would see this Messiah, even though it's been so long. Just think about 400 years, how far back that is. For us, that's 1618. 1618. What was going on in 1618? Do you know much about what was going on in the 1600s altogether? We recognize here in Australia, we're a very young country. 200 years ago is when the first fleet arrived here, let alone another 200 years back from that. Think, 400 years since any hint of a Messiah coming. Yet Simeon knows it's going to be in his lifetime. He's going to get to see this Messiah. And so then it is with great joy that we see his interaction with the Messiah when Jesus is brought into the temple. He sees here that the Messiah has finally arrived. And we see that in verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, chapter 2, verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the Lord required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon has finally seen the Messiah. And what does he say? I can be dismissed in peace. What is he talking about? He's saying, I'm happy to die. I'm happy to go from this world. I have peace. And why does he have peace? Well, he goes on to explain why he has peace. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, and for glory to your people Israel. He has seen God's salvation, and so he is happy to be dismissed. He knows that in Jesus Christ, salvation has come not just for the Jews, but also for Gentiles, we see hinted there in verse 32. That salvation has come, that sin is dealt with, Satan is dealt with, the wrath of God will be dealt with through this Messiah that Simeon is holding within his arms. Now, can you relate to Simeon this morning? I think you can. How? Well, I think in one sense we all are waiting for something to happen before we can be dismissed. We all have what is commonly known as a bucket list. We may not articulate it. We may not sit down and write out our bucket list of all the things that we would like to do before we're happy to kick the bucket. But in one sense, we are working towards quite a lot of things in our lives 
as goals that we would like to see achieved before we pass from this world. It starts fairly young. You want to graduate from high school, and then you may want to graduate from TAFE with a certificate. You want to get that certificate. And then it may be you go off to uni and you want to make sure that you get a degree, maybe a bachelor, may go on to get a master's, may go on to get a doctorate. And then you say, once I get those things, then I'll be happy in this world. But then after you get those things, people usually want something else. They want to get a job, get a good job in this world. And then I will be happy. Get a promotion once I get that job will then make me happy. Or to own my own business. Once I own my own business and it's going really well, well, then maybe I'll be happy in this world and I may be even happy to kick the bucket. My bucket list will have been achieved. Otherwise, it may not be to do with work. You may think, oh, well, I really want to get married. Once I get married, then I will have achieved something in this world. And then once you get married, you may be, well, I want to have kids. Then I will have achieved something in this world and I'll be happy to be dismissed from this world. But then people say, oh, well, I want to have kids and then I want to have grandkids and I may even want to see great grandkids before I'll be happy to be dismissed. But other people are working towards other things. They want to own a car. Starts as a young teenager. You can borrow mum and dad's, but really you want to own your own car. And then you want to own a really good car, not just have that old bomb that you first can afford. And then for some people, they want to own a a house. They want to have their own house to live in. And that's their goal. They'll be happy to kick the bucket in some sense once I have my own place. Well, then it's not just my own place. I want a mansion. When I have my own mansion, then I will be happy. I'll have achieved something in this world. Well, there's other things that people may seek to achieve. Maybe that they want to invent something that they're remembered by for years to come, that people will remember that it was so-and-so who invented that thing that we use so commonly today. Or you might want to make a computer app that everybody uses and that you can sell for a couple billion dollars to some big corporation. Or it might be that you want to write a book so that people remember you as this great author who influenced so many people and not just that generation that you're in, but generations to come, as we've seen so many authors have been able to do. Or maybe you don't want to write a book. Maybe you just want to achieve the goal of reading a book Um, that one time in my life I might read a book. And for some of us that want to read more than one book, we might want to achieve reading a hundred of the greatest books, the greatest books that have influenced. And once I get through that whole list, I meet that hundred goal, then I'll be happy to be dismissed in this world. Or it may be something else, like learn a language, uh, finish a video game that's quite complex, or maybe it's just to get a high ranking in that video game. In the World Wide Web, where you play online, you want to have that great ranking and be known as maybe even number one in the world. You want to achieve that. And if you got that, then you'd be happy to be dismissed from this world. Or maybe it's to visit particular places. Maybe it's to visit a country. If I can just visit that country, and that's a common thing on bucket lists, and to see something like the pyramids or Niagara Falls, if I can see those things, then I will be happy to be dismissed from this world. Or maybe it's a particular experience like running a marathon. If I can run that marathon and get that accomplished, then I will know that I've achieved something in this world. Or jump out of an aeroplane with a parachute, of course. You want to jump out with that parachute, but I can get up the gumption, conquer my fear, and jump out of an aeroplane. If I do that, then my bucket list will be completed and I can be dismissed from this world. Maybe it's to solve a Rubik's Cube. That's the one thing that you want to accomplish in life. If I can just do that, which many people can't, if I can do it and do it very quickly, then I'll be happy to be dismissed from this world. 
Or maybe it's to go to the Olympics. Not as a competitor, but maybe as a spectator. Uh, Just once in my life, I'd like to visit the Olympics. What's on your bucket list? You may not have sat down and written it out. You may not have thought too much about it, but I'm sure as I've been speaking, you're thinking about, oh yeah, there's quite a few of those things that I'd like to achieve in my life before I'm happy to kick the bucket, before I'm happy to be dismissed from this world. The question you should ask yourself, though, this morning is, can I share Simeon's bucket list? Can I share Simeon's bucket list? And I think you should. He's only got one thing on his bucket list before he's happy to be dismissed from this world. What's that one thing that's on Simeon's bucket list? To see the Messiah, to see Jesus Christ, to see the salvation of God. Once he achieves that, he knows he is happy to be dismissed in peace. That's what he says in verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. We can share that bucket list as well. Because if you achieve that one thing, then you, like Simeon, can be happy to be dismissed from this world. Why is that? Why do people have bucket lists? Why do they think, I want to achieve this, this, and this, and then I'll be happy to be dismissed? It's because of fears, really. I was thinking about this week and thinking, why do people want to achieve particular things before they're happy to be dismissed? It's because of fears. They fear... Firstly, I think that they will miss out on something really good in this world and they will never get to experience that joy that people have when they have that, whether it be jumping out of an aeroplane, whether it be seeing the pyramids, whether it be having a doctorate, whether it be reading a hundred great books, they will experience a joy that will make up for the pain in this world. And once they make up for that pain, they're happy to be dismissed. Life won't be worth much of going on anymore. I can be dismissed from this world with all the pain that's in it because I've achieved the highest joy that you can get in this world and so I'll be happy to be dismissed. And I look at other people and see what makes them happy, what gives them such joy. And if I can do that, if I can jump out of an aeroplane and experience the exhilaration of it, then I can know joy in this world and be happy to be dismissed. See, when you see Christ, though, it is the greatest joy that you can have in this world. It surpasses all other joys that you can imagine, that people have put on their bucket lists. Again and again, people have all these ideas of what will make them happy and make up for the pain of this world that will evaporate some of their fears. And realistically, all those joys that we can experience in this world, and they are good things. Getting married is a good thing. Having kids is a good thing. Going and seeing creation in this world Using your mind to solve complex puzzles, it's a good thing. But none of them compete with seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you see Christ, you understand that he surpasses all other joys. That in him all fears evaporate. Fears of the pains of this world are easily conquered once you've seen Jesus Christ. And fears of the next world. See, that's the thing. People have these bucket lists because they think that in the next world there really won't be enough joy to compete with what's here in this world. But we understand that once you've seen Jesus Christ, once you've seen the Messiah, you are saved from your sins, which means you're saved from God's wrath. And instead of going to eternal torment in hell, you go to eternal life in heaven with joys that far surpass anything this world can offer. 
because you will see there Jesus Christ face to face. And so Simeon's bucket list of seeing the Messiah is indeed a bucket list that we should share and it should be the only thing that we have at the top of our list is to see the Lord Jesus Christ because once you have that, you can be happily dismissed from this world. But the question for you may be, but how can I see Jesus? Simeon got to hold the baby Jesus in his arms, actually see him. Say, I can't hold baby Jesus today. The Bible tells us that we can see him by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And in the pages of the Bible, we can see Jesus. We can understand who he is as the Messiah. We can see that he is indeed the salvation which God has prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to his people Israel. We can see that as we look at the pages of scriptures. It's happened again and again for people throughout history that they've seen Jesus, not physically with their eyes, but by faith. And when they have seen him, they're happy to be dismissed from this world, just like Simeon was. And this can happen even at a young age. But as you see Jesus Christ, you can be happy to be dismissed from this world. Lots of people think that Simeon here was an old man. And in the children's talk there this morning, I held up a picture of him from a kid's Bible, and there's this elderly man with a walking cane there. There's nothing in the text to actually say that he was an elderly man. He could have been quite a young man. And he could have said, great, I'm happy to be dismissed. He may have lived a few decades after that, but he knew that when he saw the Lord Jesus, he was happy to go there and then. And that can happen for us too. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you truly see Jesus, you know that there are many other joys in this world, yes, that God gives us. But you're happy to forego all those because you want to see Jesus now face to face. You want to leave this world and experience the joys that are to come. There's been no greater joy in this world than seeing him and you're happy to leave them all now and go and see Jesus face to face. And this happens throughout history, as I said before. People again and again are happy to leave this world, happy to welcome death because they're ready for it, because they've seen the Messiah. There's a famous example of this uh, that happened during the Great Awakening in North America under the preacher Jonathan Edwards. A lot of people were converted. That's why we call it a Great Awakening. People are awakened to the truth about God. And he gives different accounts of different people, surprising accounts, surprising conversions that he saw and he gives accounts of them. And I just wanted to share with you one this morning of a young girl called Abigail Hutchinson. Abigail Hutchinson. And she was a young girl who greatly suffered with a medical condition. We aren't given the specifics as to what that condition was. Of course, it's the 1700s. Did I mention that? 1700s in North America. And, uh, but he gives an account of her and what happened to her under the revival that was seen in his town. And... She had this medical condition, but that wasn't her problem. I'll pick up the account here. I've abbreviated it somewhat. You may think it's still fairly long. But um, if you want to uh, read more of this, of course, there is uh, much more information given about this young girl uh, that I've edited out. But Edward says, not about initially about her medical condition, but about something else. He writes, Abigail Hutchinson's great terror, she said, was that she had sinned against God. Her distress grew more and more for three days until she saw nothing but blackness 
of darkness before her, and her very flesh trembled for fear of God's wrath. She wondered and was astonished at herself that she had been so concerned for her body and had applied so often to physicians to heal that and had neglected her soul. So she sees the darkness that is in her. She needs consolation. She needs consolation for Abigail, not for Israel, but for her. On Saturday, she was so earnestly engaged in reading the Bible and other books that she continued in it, searching for something to relieve her, till her eyes were so dim that she could not know the letters of the words. As she thought of this, such words as these were in her mind. The words of the Lord are pure words, health to the soul and marrow to the bones. And then these words, the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin which were accompanied with a lively sense of the excellency of Christ and his sufficiency to satisfy for the sins of the whole world. By these things, her mind was led into such contemplations and views of Christ as filled her exceedingly full of joy. As she's reading the scriptures, learning about Christ the Messiah, she is filled with joy. She told her brother in the morning that she had seen That is, in realising views by faith, she had seen, but by faith, Edwards includes, she had seen Christ the last night. On Monday, she felt all day a constant sweetness in her soul. She had a repetition of the same discoveries of Christ three mornings together and much in the same manner at each time waking a little before day, but brighter and brighter every day. Every day she's seeing Christ and tasting the joy that comes of knowing him. Once, when she came to me, that's to Jonathan Edwards, the pastor, she said that at such and such a time, she thought she saw as much of God and had as much joy and pleasure as was possible in this life. She'd seen so much of Christ that it couldn't possibly get better. And that yet afterwards, God discovered himself far more abundantly. That's the thing, as you see Christ, it actually gets better and better. You know, exceedingly greater joy. You think, oh no, it can't get better than this, but it does. She saw the same things as before, yet more clearly and in a far more excellent and delightful manner and was filled with a more exceeding sweetness. After this, her illness increased upon her. And once after she had before spent the greater part of the night in extreme pain, she waked out of a little sleep with these words in her heart and mouth. I am willing to suffer for Christ's sake. I'm willing to spend and be spent for Christ's sake. I'm willing to spend my life, even my very life, for Christ's sake. And though she had an extraordinary resignation with respect to life or death, yet the thoughts of dying were exceedingly sweet to her. When her brother mentioned the danger that she seemed to be, that the illness she laboured under might be an occasion of her death, it filled her with joy that almost overcame her. Her illness in the latter part of it was seated much in her throat, and an inward swelling filled up the pipe so that she could swallow nothing but was perfectly liquid and but very little of that even with great and long strugglings. I'm guessing some sort of tumour probably within her neck. That which she took in fled out of her nostrils till at last she could swallow nothing at all. She had a raging appetite for food so that she told her sister when talking with her about her circumstances that the worst bit of food would be sweet to her But yet, when she saw that she could not swallow it, she seemed to be as perfectly contented without it, as if she had no appetite. After her confinement, as they were leading her from the bed to the door, she seemed overcome by the sight of things abroad as showing forth the glory of the being who had made them. She's starting to really feel the, the glories that are to come in the next life. 
As she lay on her deathbed, she would often say these words, God is my friend. And once looking upon her sister with a smile said, Oh sister, how good it is, how sweet and comfortable it is to consider and think of heavenly things. She was very weak and a considerable time before she died, having pined away with famine and thirst so that her flesh seemed to be dried upon her bones and therefore could say but little and manifested her mind very much by signs. So she's only able now to communicate by motions. A few days before her death, some asked her whether she held her integrity still, whether she was not afraid of death. She answered in this purpose, that she had not the least degree of fear of death. They asked her why she should be so confident. She answered, if I should say otherwise, I should speak contrary to what I know. She had long been infirm and often had been exercised with great pain, but she died chiefly of famine. It was doubtless, partly owing to her bodily weakness, that her nature was so often overcome and ready to sink with gracious affection of God. But yet the truth was that she had more grace and greater discoveries of God and Christ than the present frail state did well consist with. So even though she was unwell, the way that she was reacting, the affection she had for God was not consistent with her infirmities. She wanted to be where strong grace might have more liberty and be without the clog of a weak body. There she longed to be, and there she doubtless now is, said Jonathan Edwards. Are you an Abigail Hutchinson? Are you happy to be dismissed by God? Are you like Simeon there? You've seen Jesus and you can now say you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Are you happy to die on the way home today? Would you be content with that? If not, why is that? Is there something still on your bucket list that you have not achieved that keeps you from saying, yes, I would be content to go into the next world even today? If there is something that is above Christ on your bucket list, know that that's an idol. It's an idol that you are still hoping will give you joy more so than Jesus Christ. And the sad thing about idols is they promise much happiness, but they never deliver. They never deliver as Jesus Christ delivers with the joy and peace that God alone gives. We see this again and again. There's a short-term pleasure that is experienced, but then there's the pain still surfaces again. And you're still looking for another joy in this world. People get their master's degree, and then what do they do? Are they content to die then? At the graduation ceremony, they say, I'm happy to fall down the stairs and break my neck. No, they want a doctorate. When they get a doctorate, they want another doctorate. They think that then they'll have achieved something, and then they'll be happy to go. People jump out of planes all the time, still pull the ripcord. They don't think, this is it, as high as I can get in this world, literally and say, I'm ready to go. People get married. Don't cry out on the honeymoon, dismiss me now, Lord. No, they want to keep going. People have children. The dad will visit the maternity ward. What does he do? He holds the baby in his arm and then says, okay, here you go. I'm going down to the morgue to lie down. They don't do that. They know that there's more joys that they want to experience before they're happy to go. People can make idols out of their wives and their husbands. People can make idols out of children. People can make idols out of experiences in this world. They never deliver those idols. 
Yes, we can enjoy those things. You can jump out of a plane as a Christian. That's fine. Make sure you pull the ripcord, otherwise you're breaking the sixth commandment. Do not murder. You can do that as a Christian and enjoy it, but you know that your chief joy, that you have achieved greatness in this world because you have seen the Messiah and you're happy to be dismissed from this world even now. Only seeing Jesus Christ will allow someone to say truly, now dismiss your servant in peace. And the members of this church can testify to the truth. If you're visiting here today, I'm very pleased that you're here. I love that you're amongst us this morning. You may doubt the truth of what Simeon says here in the word, but every member of this church should be able to testify to the truth of what Simeon says here, that they are happy to die on the way home today because they've seen the Messiah. Yes, they're sad to go and leave behind some people who will be very upset to see them go, but ultimately to die will be gain for them. Yes, they live for Christ, but to die is gain. And so they can say with Simeon, Dismiss your servant in peace. I have seen salvation. Don't believe me? Ask someone afterwards. Are you happy to die? Was that guy at the front telling the truth? Are the people here really happy to die? And see what they say. If you haven't seen Christ yet, I encourage you to do so. There is no greater joy than seeing Jesus Christ. It surpasses all other joys here. Ask someone afterwards about it, but I encourage you, Seek him until you see him by faith. And the way you see him is through the pages of Scripture. Saw that with Abigail Hutchinson. What was she doing for the salvation of her soul? How was she trying to see true peace? It was by searching the Scriptures until her eyes grew dim and she could not make out the words any longer. She wanted to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his grace, he revealed himself by the Scriptures. If you are still looking for joy from other things in this world, I encourage you, get a Bible. Start looking through it. Start looking at Jesus Christ. Start in Matthew's Gospel. Read Matthew's Gospel. Read Mark's Gospel. Read Luke's Gospel. Read John's Gospel. And look for Jesus Christ. And see him by faith and know the peace that he brings. And I can testify that if he reveals himself to you in the pages of Scripture, there is no other joy in this world. That surpasses him. Let's speak with him now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have fulfilled your promise to send a Messiah and that many in this room, O Lord, have seen the Messiah. They have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the sight of all people and have been filled with the same joy that Simeon enjoyed so many years ago. Lord, We pray, though, that some people in this room may not have seen Jesus. They may not have seen the Messiah. They may not have seen the salvation that you have granted to people. Lord, we pray that you would help them now to see him.